It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Bradley J on that control. We're listening it on. And our radios are tuned to 1030. In our cars, it's locked on WBZ. Affirmative, I'll read you. What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose. Who wants to be first? Step right up, step right up. Talk to Anthony Samarco, our favorite historian. Hey, one of our favorite historians. All right, Anthony, our favorite historian. <laughs> talking about Cambridge tonight, but we're just kind of hanging out mostly. How you doing? I'm well, how are you? How you dealing with the heat? Well, I'm dealing pretty well. I took another cool shower and I feel fine. Good. And any nice meals, cocktails, any, any parties, anything going on? Well... We were at the Cambridge Boat Club on Saturday for my sister-in-law's 90th birthday, and it was absolutely lovely on the river. However, it was not air-conditioned. But I think in a lot of ways, the food was great. It was good camaraderie and actually wonderful drinks. But I think one of the things is to come up to town and then go back to Austerville and then come back to town on Monday, it was a bit much. But no, I, I'm taking the summer as a day-by-day basis. I'm not teaching at the urban college this summer. And I'm not lecturing, so I think in a lot of ways what I'm doing is concentrating on my book on East Boston and S.S. Pierce, a uh, Boston tradition. What do you do about food in the hot weather? You, don't, you probably don't want to cook in a hot kitchen? Well, every weekend I do cook, and it basically is things that are out of the garden and eggs from the hen house. But during the business week, I stay at the place in Boston, and I will do light things. Um, tonight I bought an Asian salad and... Some, uh, you know, nice turkey and things of that sort. And I think one of the things is not only do I serve something light, but I also try to do something for lunch the next day. At the same time? Correct. I think in a lot of ways I'm busy, and I try to actually do at least two to three hours an evening of either research and or writing. I'm up at 4.30 in the morning, so uh, I try to read and edit what I wrote the previous evening, and... It's fun, but it's also the type in a way it's been really wonderful weather. It's not as rainy, but though it did rain on, I hate to say it, Friday evening and then Sunday evening, it's something in a lot of ways that creates a nice aspect for the summer. How much cooler is it in Osterville than it is here? Well, it's ironic. On Friday afternoon, I left town. It was 92 degrees. I got to Osterville. It was 77. Ooh. And so that, that was really quite nice. Yeah. And we're right on the water, so it's makes actually it worth quite fun. The commute. You talk about being busy. A lot of what makes you busy is your writing of your historical book collection. You're up you must be up to beyond eighty now, right? When I, I met am. you, you were at seventy something. Well, I think in a lot of ways it just continues to grow and these two books are really quite important because again, one of the things is as I've been trying to do with this new publisher, which is called Fault Hill. Hill Press in London, 
is to talk about their through time series. So I did one on the Back Bay, and then I did one on Alston and Brighton. Now the one on East Boston is important because the previous book was done 20 years ago. The demographics in East Boston are again changing. And in that instance, some people begin to realize that it's not just a neighborhood that is like what it was in the 20th century. It's now become something that's really quite fascinating. It's a melange of people and ethnicities and religions and people that actually are living in modern condominiums and old tenement buildings. It really is a great place, but it's much like Cambridge. You know, when we think about these places, we have to realize in some ways that they have a historical association. But they also, in some ways, in the 21st century, have become destinations. And they're also places that many people live, many people work, but they have a rich historical overlay. And it's something that each of our families have contributed to. Let's get to Dolly and Quincy quick while we have her here. Dolly hasn't called in months, so that's great. Wonderful. Dolly, hi. Hi, hi, Bradley. Yeah. You know, nice to hear your voice. I've been, you know, listening when I can, you know, your first hour or two because I have to get up early. But I'm so glad you have Anthony on because, Bradley, I was in a very nice place in Dorchester, and I was wondering if Anthony Marco has ever done a book on Dorchester. Oh, yeah. I have. I've done four books on Dorchester. And oh, my goodness. Well, uh, you know, you know, uh, Bradley, I, you know, first I was in Boston Medical because of my fall. I needed three stitches in my forehead, and they didn't want me to go home. So I was at St. Joseph Rehab and Nursing Care, 321 Center Street in Dorchester, and people told me it used to be a home for elderly nuns, and I was wondering if Anthony knows anything about the place. Well, the property itself was owned by a man named Charles Witten, who was a very well-to-do businessman. He had a large estate there, and throughout the 19th century, oh. the family lived there. His daughter, Margaret, would later marry a son of S.S. Pierce. But later, it became St. Joseph's home. It wasn't so much for nuns. It was actually a re- rehabilitation and nursing home center. And oh, really? In that period of time, it was really a very solid part of the neighborhood, and of course, today it's a rehabilitation center, and it I think it seems to be in a nice neighborhood. You it's know, in a regular lovely, yes. Dorchester neighborhood because I grew up in Dorchester. And but you know, it was very. Uh, there was a crucifix by one of the elevators. There was a Blessed Mother statue in the corner in the dining room, and they had. Um, let me see a lovely chapel. So you you're sure it was never a home for elderly nuns? I'm positive, but the thing is, in some ways, all of these things were important so because know. it was part How of the. How have you been, church. Bradley? Fine. Well, the question is, Dolly, how have you been? People have been asking about you. Dolly was oh, very... Oh, I'm fine. You know, you, you know, two things saved my life, Bradley. My friend Barbara, you know, I had fallen in my apartment, and, uh, you know, I, later I got the three stitches, and I had bandaged it up, and I was going to, uh, you know, just let it go. I, I wiped up blood off the floor. I got blood on my skirt. And so she said, no, you've got to have that looked at. So she took me. We don't have a hospital in Quincy Medical anymore, but we have an emergency room there. So they sent me by ambulance to Boston Medical, and the food was good again, (laughs) Bradley, you know. Yeah, and they were very good, a lot of tests, a lot of tests. And uh, they found out my sugar was up to around 400, and that's terrible. I could have had a stroke. See, I had been taking... Uh, I had been taking something called metformin, and then I was having terrible stomach troubles for about a year. Then my sister told me that her husband got off of metformin for that reason. I said, is that what's been causing me problems? 
So anyway, I, I was taken off the metformin. I was doing so good. I wasn't put on anything else. So maybe I wasn't eating right or drinking right. You know, I like those shakes that they have, the fruit, fruit shakes with a lot of sugar. I can't drink those anymore. And uh, so anyway, my sugar went up to about 400. So, you know, Dolly, can, is there any chance you can call later? Oh, yeah. Because they want to hear the whole story. I, yeah, we all want to hear the whole story, but we have Anthony here, and we're kind of talking about Bradley, you History. know something? Unfortunately, I have a, I have to be up early tomorrow oh. for insulin. My my whole lifestyle has changed, you know. But two things, I just want to say, two things saved my life. My friend who insisted I have it taken care of because she said, you've got to have that looked at. Yep. And, and falling, falling in my apartment saved my life. I wouldn't have found out about being dangerously high in sugar, you know. It's, Yay. It's one, 126 and above is diabetic. So people have been asking yeah. about you, Jenny. The crew, they've been asking about you. We're all glad that you are well and have plenty of energy. Okay, Bradley, if I get a chance, maybe I'll write and tell you the whole story. <laughs> okay, thanks. And call, uh, call too. WBZ with Anthony Samarco. And we're going to start to focus on Cambridge. And one of the little uh, things we'll do is ask you about stuff that used to be there in Cambridge that you remember that's gone. That would include... That would include Leechmere sales. I know, really. That was really Leechmere. quite fun. Yes. And, uh, and the Neko factory? Yes. What else? Well, there was also the Cambridge Glassworks, and we have to realize in some ways that, you know, Cambridge was a place that had everything under the sun. It was just like a city of Boston, but it was actually something that had major squares, Harvard Square, Porter Square, Inman Square, Central Square, and people of all walks of life, all ethnicities, all social aspects. I think you have to look at this as something that it was really quite a fascinating book to write. Well, the book itself was published by Arcadia quite a while ago, and it was actually dedicated to Stephen Davies Payne, one of the founders of Wellington Management. He was a good friend. He would actually take me along to these paper and ephemera shows, and I would actually purchase many of the photographs and postcards that I would use to illustrate these books. But I also learned in a lot of ways that Cambridge was something that evolved from what was originally called Newtown. So if you can imagine, it's not Newton, but Newtown. Newtown. Exactly, on the Charles River. But Cambridge was huge. It even included what is today Brighton and Alston. So did Newtown, Cambridge was within a larger Newtown? And yes. so New, Newton is the is the father of Cambridge? Well, kind New, of? Newton is actually an independent um Place, but it was not called Newton. It was New Town. Right. But it included Alston and Brighton as well. Wow. So you had to realize in some ways that the Charles River was a major place. It wasn't just for fishing and alewives. I love alewife. You know, it's something in a lot of ways. Has anybody ever served alewives at legal seafoods? What's alewife? <laughs> I got to ask, what is alewife? It's a small fish, but the alewife. The uh, river itself, as well as the name that's used for the station on the uh, huh. red line, is something that's named for that fish. I wonder why is... they call it alewife. Is it something that went well with air? It was wetted, it was paired with ale? To... Well, it was food. wet because it swam. But right. I think one of the things is it was one of those rivers, um, fish, that was quite small, but it was something that sustained the population in the 17th and 18th century. But the whole idea was that the Charles River was something that was a major feature. And, of course, the Charles River was named for King Charles, who was the king of England, for whom many people had received the grant of lands on the Charles River for Massachusetts Bay Colony. 
So when I wrote this, I said that Cambridge had been settled as Newtown in 1631 and was referred to by a man named Wood, who was a chronicler of the 17th century, as, quote, one of the neatest and best compacted towns in New England, unquote. And the founding of Harvard College in 1636 was to ensure the town's notoriety, as it was the first college in the New World. Harvard gave, you know, Cambridge a cosmopolitan flair, but the town retained its open farmland and its well-known fisheries along the Charles and Alewife rivers for nearly two centuries. And by the early 19th century, Cambridge saw tremendous development with industrial concerns at Cambridgeport, including the glassworks. New residents swelled Cambridge's population in the 19th century so much that it became a city in 1846. And these changes, which included horse-drawn streetcars and later the elevated railway that is today known as the Red Line of the MBTA, made Cambridge a place of convenient residence. And with large-scale development in the late 19th century, Cambridge became a thriving nexus of cultural diversity. And today, in the 21st century, it is truly a place that embraces people of all walks of life. You mentioned Harvard College being the first such thing in the New World. That includes South, Central, and North America. That's a pretty big deal. It is. Uh, That's the first on the continent. Well, it is. And the Boston Latin School had been founded in Boston as a feeder to Harvard College. And I think when we think about John Harvard, I'm sure all of us have seen his wonderful seated statue at Harvard Yard, or maybe we've seen the granite obelisk that was erected in the early 19th century on his grave at the Fifth Street burying ground in Charlestown, where he lived. We begin to realize that this man left a sum of money and half of his library to Harvard, and of course it was named in his memory. And I think sometimes it's not just that it grew out of a small seed, but it's embraced in some ways, not just the New England area, but there are people all over the world that have been educated there. But you have to realize it's only one of many places of higher learning. It goes the gamut. Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Leslie College, Cambridge College. You know, it goes on and on and on. And I think sometimes people have to realize it is a part of our culture. And the city of Cambridge is truly something that has in some ways, instilled in us, you know, the pride of place. I'm interested in John Harvard. What can you tell me about John Harvard? John Harvard was a Puritan. One of the aspects was he was well-educated. He also had a library. It was supposedly 400 books. But that concept was something that was totally unusual in the 1630s when he arrived in Massachusetts Bay Colony. He arrived, he settled in Cambridge, and during that period of time, he was considered one of the more wealthy of the Puritans. These were people who were members of the Church of England, but wanted to purify it from within by being members. And what he did was, when he died, he left um, a sum of money and a set of books to what was the new college at Harvard, and it was named by the trustees in his honor. He was somebody, in a lot of ways, that not only for whom Harvard Street in in Charlestown was named, but also in some ways when we think about Harvard College, his name has become synonymous with one of the not only oldest, but most recognizable higher places of learning in in not only the United States, but the world. I wonder how many people that go there are aware of really what it means to go there besides, besides 
the stamp of approval of our society. I wonder if they are aware of the history. I don't even know if it basically means as much sometimes, but one of the concepts is many people that are graduated from Harvard or had attended Harvard are well aware of who he was. John Harvard was a very important person. But it doesn't matter where I am, whether I'm in Austinville on Cape Cod or I'm in London or I'm in Rome, I always seem to see Harvard T-shirts and Harvard sweatshirts. I've even seen them here at iHeartRadio. And I think sometimes these Harvard T-shirts and sweatshirts are great aspects. Many of these people had not attended the school, but I think in a lot of ways their children or nieces or nephews or whatever have actually some sort of association. But it doesn't just mean Harvard. Cambridge is so much more. And today when we look at, say, Massachusetts Avenue, which connects the Charles River all the way to Arlington, one sees the aspects of the demographics of of Cambridge during that period as having changed so tremendously from the early part of the 20th century now to the... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Early part of the 21st century. That in just that century, we've gone from what was basically a, a small city into a major city with housing stock that goes the gamut from multi-million dollar houses to subsidized housing projects, as well as people, again, of all walks of life. Yeah, this, the, the cemetery, the beautiful cemetery. The one that's in Harvard Square is fantastic, and I... I tell you, there are so many people that are buried there in the 17th and 18th century that were the movers and shakers of the day that you have to realize that Christ Church and its burial ground there is a major feature. I'm trying to think of not things that have gone, but things that still exist in Harvard Square that are sort of iconic. They've been there a long time. There's Charlie's Kitchen. That's my... Yes. Charlie's Kitchen has been here since I've been here. Well, one of the things is I recently gave a lecture and book signing at the Harvard Coop. When I was in college about 200 years ago, I think in some ways the Harvard Coop was a place that not only I purchased my books, but I also have to tell you I purchased my Cliff Notes. Cliff Notes never really told the whole story, but at least you could actually read them through in a weekend. But I went there and I gave a lecture and I was astonished. The Harvard Coop was sleek and you know, sophisticated. It was a very different place, though the same columns greeted me as I entered from Harvard Square. And I thought in some ways, as I did, ironically, as you just said, what's there that I remember? Well, Bailey's is gone. Howard Johnson's is gone. Cardulo's is gone. Cardulo's is Car- gone? I, I don't remember it. Um, Cardulo's is that there. sort of store and sandwich shop, right? Yes. Folks, it's Cardulo's gone. I thought it was. We need to know. 617-254-1030. It's Dickinson Hardware. Well, what Been about there a while. Casablanca. Casablanca is still there? No, it closed. Oh. But I think a lot of these places that were our uh, you know, mainstay, not only for good food and potent libations, but it was also something that was part of the scene. It was something that you know, was a major part of what we were doing when we were young. 
But today, where do young people go? I don't know. Where I, do they go? I look at that and I think and in some ways the clubs are still there and, you know, the various places. I used to purchase my clothing at J Press. Did you? Are they closed. gone? They're closed Ooh, now as where, well. where do you go now? There, there is no substitute for J Press. Well, I go to Brooks Brothers, but the thing it's, is, it's not quite the same. No. no, of course not. But on the other hand, it's as though there's not always that much of a choice for a person of my age. <laughs> but I think sometimes chinos are chinos are chinos. <laughs> Maybe so. Anthony, we have some folks that want to speak with you. Wow. Okay. We're go- <laughs> Let's start with Michael. And situate. Hello, Michael. Hello, Bradley. Hello, Anthony. Hello. So, Anthony, you know, Anthony is my favorite uh, historian. I uh, I really love you know local Boston history, and uh, you're a, you're a great storyteller, and you you really bring it to life. So, so, anyways, the the second job I had out of high school, I worked as a salesman for a, a trucking company. And the area that is, I think they call it Museum Towers now, um, where the Prison Point Bridge, I don't, they probably don't even call it the Prison Point Bridge anymore. Well, they do, yes. Okay, but uh, so across that, that whole area where those new towers are, back then it was a, um, just a series of low metal corrugated buildings, That's and right. it was like a, a a trucking center. So, were you employed at Lifshultz Trucking? I sure was. Well, my company at that time was Bonnie's Express, which was a nationwide trucking company, and we imported, of course, containers from the West Coast to deliver throughout the produce markets. We also did small deliveries for Lifshultz Trucking. <laughs> That's funny. Wow, you, you what a my small company world! That is incredible. Do you remember Emma? Yes. I remember Emil. Yes, I do. And Bud. Yes, and Bud. Oh my gosh. Who yeah, they? you gotta oh, you wow. gotta tell us who that they is. were. Emil and Bud. Who were they? They were the people okay. that were employed at Liv Schultz. Oh, I okay. guess just, that work with this young man. Just people. So, do you remember yeah. Michael? You might. I don't. Um, okay. Well, so so back then, Ron yes. was the sales manager. I remember. And um, I'm trying to think of the the girl who. That's okay. Secretary. That's okay. We but, can, but you're right. These that, names don't mean much to anyone but else. But that area at that time were small, one-story, corrugated metal buildings with you know, little cement stairs. They were adjacent to that area that is today, of course, part of the I-93 connector. It was part of what is today the area where just on the other side was I-93. And then on one side, you had the Cambridge and you know Museum of Science. But when you emerged, right. you were in this lovely area, the Museum of Science and the Charles River. But here you and, were with and, a trucking company, and it just was... Yeah, it was, it was a pretty pretty industrial, grim area once yes. you uh, went under the bridge and through the entrance there. Wow. But um, what about, uh, you know, and, and then you had, uh, I don't even know if they're still there, but you had Squirrel Nut Company, which was right out around the corner on Monsignor O'Brien Highway there. Exactly. And then, and then across the street, you used to be, what was the, was it Traff's Candies? You used to be able to go down the basement and buy the, 
the seconds and the cardboard boxes, like the Charleston shoes and yes. the non-Pariels that, that were, weren't good enough to make it, you know? Well, they had the Shrafts, which was actually at Sullivan Square in Charlestown, but then there was also the Necco candy. Necco, that's which what was it in was, Necco, right. Yes. Yeah, and you could buy the cardboard boxes with the uh, the, the wafers there. But I never know, liked those wafers. But Bradley and I were just chatting a little while ago, and I, I don't know if people remember, but Cambridge was the originator of these candies, which were called sugar daddies, sugar mamas, and sugar babies. And I think it's yeah, sometimes, I remember all of them. you know, these are things that people, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, just loved. And, you know, they're not made anymore. And I think sometimes it's part of the history, not only of the city of Cambridge, but it's part of our shared history and memories, too. We all have yeah. memories of going to the dentist <laughs> and getting our, yeah, exactly. our Those fillings replaced filling for sucked out by the sugar <laughs> daddy. Thanks I mean, a lot, I Michael. think about a, a, it was great talking to you Same guys. Here. Have a good week. Very nice. So I'm, I remember the sugar daddy, Anthony. Of really? course, that was the thing on a stick, just this blop of hard caramel kind of thing. And the sugar babies were little, like, big, big bean-sized brown sugary things but what's the sugar mama i don't remember that well they had them i mean it was something you had to realize i mean in a lot of ways candy was throughout the 19th century the confectionery industry in, in cambridge was incredible during that period of time there was a place that was called the kennedy biscuit factory it had moved from milton into cambridge later became part of nabisco but they actually originated the fig newton now I love Fig Newtons, and I've always loved them when I buy them. I hate to tell you, I take them off the grocery store shelf, and I think, oh, these are, you know, Cambridge-made. But there were also places like Necco, Squirrel Brands, and, of course, you had to realize that there was places like the Tootsie Roll Industries, and they made the Charleston Chew, and the Kendall F Confectionery Company made things like Junior Mints, Sugar Daddies, Sugar Mamas, Sugar Babies, and they're now part of the Tootsie Roll Industries. So it was something that people looked at, not just that it was delicious, and one could purchase them usually at a penny candy store, but they were also huge employers of local people. So, I mean, there were a lot of people that would spend their entire careers making candy in Cambridge. So you really remember the Sugar Mama? I do. Okay, I did not. I, they didn't make it up to New Hampshire. Well, they were little tiny rectangular pieces with a stick, um, usually a little cardboard circular stick. And these were things in some ways that were something that could, if one wished, last 10 minutes. <laughs> but the idea was, again, they were filled with sugar, but they were really quite good. I don't know if this is the same thing. It says 1964... And it shows sugar babies and sugar daddy. Sugar mamas, save them, trade them cards. Sugar mama chocolatey covered. Mm -hmm. uh, were they like sugar babies only with chocolate on them? Probably, yes. Wow. Well, there was a multitude of things. And I think sometimes when you think about the Necco wafers, they had Necco wafers that were chocolate, and they had Necco wafers that were multi-flavored, different colors as well. And they looked like a bromo seltzer. Yeah, there were circular discs did of you like candy. Them? I did, actually. I really enjoyed them. But I think sometimes when I was a child, it was, you know, penny candy. And it was something in a lot of ways that it was very inexpensive. But when I was a very young child, I used to look at these things as something that was indicative of 
my childhood, but it was also something that was indicative of things that you would find in a store. But I think in a lot of ways, it was something now as an adult, I realized in some ways was part of the economy too. So I found another sugar mama and it's, it's a, I'm probably the thing you're thinking of. It's a caramel midsize. It's bigger than a sugar baby. And of course, smaller than a sugar daddy. It's about the bite size and it comes twisted up like, like a little taffy thing. That, that must that have been has, it. That has yes. to be it from the candy warehouse. I oh, haven't seen them now in about 50 can you get them? years. Anyone out there, can you get them at Market Basket, maybe? maybe I know you yeah. can get the Mallow Cup at... Oh, at, I loved Mallow at, Cups. At uh, the Market Basket. That was big, something big that news. was really quite fun. Okay, Joe in Boston. Hello. Hi, Joe. guys. Hi. Hi. Gentlemen, gentlemen, nice show. A uh, couple of Harvard Square stories for you. When I was a kid, I uh, used to, uh, uh, I had an after-school gig in the square two, three days a week. So I used to take the Free Wheels van down Mass Ave. Anybody remember that? No. Free or three? Free. F-R-E-E. It was a VW love bus. It was free. Hippies drove it up and down Mass Ave all day long. Free ride. (laughs) If you wanted to give them a donation for gas, you gave it. If you didn't, everything was cool. Wow. You just don't see that happen much anymore. But it's wonderful. No, no one hitchhikes anymore. And then uh, halfway down Mass Ave, there was the Orson Welles complex where yes. you could listen to radio, uh, listen to uh, 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 records all day long. Uh, maybe buy them, maybe not. But they had turntables set up in the basement. You could just listen, go in there and listen to music. So where exactly uh, was this? I'm trying to picture dead, it. Dead, dead Center Central Square. Uh, I can't tell you what's there now, but it's uh, it's between Harvard. The site is between Harvard Square and uh, City Hall and that stretch. And it was a complex. It was a very modern building, Orson Welles complex, because they had a movie theater. They had a F-stop was the name of the uh, uh, camera store, Photoshop, and uh, and the music store. I don't remember the name of the music store. Uh, then uh, once I got into the square and uh, did my, uh, my little job I had, um, there are two places I might eat. One would be Buddy's Sirloin Pit. That's a great name. Yeah. Buddy's, Buddy's Sirloin, Sirloin Pit. Pit. That was the front room of a restaurant that was on the corner across from where Sage Sage's supermarket used to be. Oh, right, right on the square, right. And and a little useless bit of trivia: guess who worked at Sage's back in those days? Chachi Lepret. Oh no, you know Chachi Lepret? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, and that's where Chachi met Peter Wolf. That's and that's another story. That's his story, not my story. Yep. And that's then a, he's the a, other place. Go ahead. And the other place and the other place across the street from Buddy's. Uh, was the Casablanca. That's and right. Yeah. you thought you were in a movie when you walked in there. They right. had curtains and little booths, and it was dark and dimly lit and rattan chairs and stuff. And, and it, was, it was one of two places in Boston uh, best known for being um, the best place to take someone else's wife. Wow. You tell a good story, Mark. My the other friend. place that the the last thing I'll throw at you the, the other place in town that was that was considered uh, equally as good a place to take someone else's wife was the Newberry Steakhouse. Interesting. Really? And did you do did you go there and take get a, someone else's wife? Um, well, since I can I, I can take advantage of this, uh, I'll tell you where I did um, another and I didn't even thought of this place from this phone call. Around the corner, next to the post office, Blue Parrot. Oh, right. I remember the Blue Parrot. And you, you stole another man's wife in the Blue Parrot? Wow. No, no, no. I just met her. You borrowed her? All right. Yeah. We're getting a bad, bad connection now. Joe is starting to get all squirrely on us. 
Those are good stories. Yeah. Good names. Barry's, no, what was it? Sirloin Pit? Sirloin Pit. Was it yeah. Barry's? That's what he said. Okay, yes. good. But I, I think sometimes these places, you know, they're they're in our memories, but it's not that long ago. I know. And I think sometimes the Bermuda Room at the Howard Johnson's and Harvard Square and, you know, Bailey's Ice Cream, it was something in a lot of ways. Why not? But I think sometimes these places have been gone now, so it's an entire generation that's never known them. So I'm glad I got to Boston when I did. If, if I'd gotten to Boston five years later, I wouldn't have – a lot of the richness was gone by 85. Like well, the German restaurant in Harvard Square that was iconic German place. The bank, there's a bank there now. There's a jewelry store there now. Right across, diagonal, right across from Curious George's on that corner. What was the name? What was the name of that place, people? It wasn't the Rathskeller. It was something else. I'm counting on you. Right on the corner. We're counting on you. It was it was weird in there. They I think they had an upstairs. They had a lot of plastic sausages or plastic stuff, plastic food hanging down. Lovely. And it was a big place. Oh, and that's that was gone. But, you know, at that point in the 70s and 80s, you know, when you think about it, it's something 50, 60 years ago, it was a place. Harvard Square, people getting the newspaper on Sunday mornings, the crack of dawn, going for bagels. I loved it. I thought in a lot of ways Harvard Square was something that had great sophistication, but on a reduced basis. And it was something in a lot of ways that had people of all walks of life. Buddy's Sirloin Pit, not Buddy's. Buddy's Sirloin Pit. Oh, that's right. He did say Buddy's, yes. And one thing cool about Harvard Square is you go there, even if you're going slumming at Charlie's Kitchen, chances are a lot of the people you see in the news, in government, were in Charlie's Kitchen. Probably President Obama was in Charlie's Kitchen at one point. A lot of these people who are Fed chairmen and all that kind of stuff, they probably were there at one point. You might have... You know, you sat across beside them at the bar. Let's take a break. Talk to Mike in Alston, Massachusetts, and Harry in Hanover oh. on WBZ. Boom. So you can talk. Yes, I can. I will, and I do. Bradley J. Oh, when you listen early in the morning, Jay talking. You are locked up to WBZ. WBZ News Radio 1030. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Turn on your radio. You've got me listening to this. Turn it on. Bradley J. Oh, you're a smooth talker. You are. You are. Jay talking. You talk the talk. Do you walk the walk? WBZ News Radio 1030. Welcome to a warm summer night. We have the, the dulcet tones and the easygoing vibe of Anthony Samarco to cool you down like cool jazz. And we're talking Cambridge right now. Uh, I was looking online during the break and seeing places like The Tasty, which closed in 19, ni- 1996. 
Oh, does anybody remember the Tasty? I don't. The uh, German restaurant that Anthony and I were struggling with is the Worst House, W-U-R-S-T. That's Anthony used to go there for drinks after middle school? Um, undergraduate. Undergraduate, okay. Let's go to Harry and Hanover first. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Hi there, guys. Hi, Harry. Hi. Say hello to Anthony. Hello, Anthony. I love you, and I love your whole way of uh, bringing life back to uh, cultural things that don't exist anymore. It's wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much yourself. I think one of the things is you have to realize in some ways there's still shared memories that we have, and these are things that maybe we don't always think about. But I think with Bradley J., it's a wonderful aspect to revisit once a month these places that were important to us. Do you have any memories of uh, the Harvard Square or Cambridge or any interaction? I was going to mention quickly, there's a great song by, unfortunately died, a great singer-songwriter from the mostly 90s called Tommy Keene, Places That Are Gone. And it really Mm. captures that feeling. Isn't it, though? I mean, yeah, you think about these things, and they're not that long ago, but they're things that our children and now our grandchildren will never know about, how important they were at one time to us. So I have three quick things. One was, uh, you mentioned the Tasty. Wasn't that the uh, tiny little place right in the center of the square where it's mostly hot dogs? I thought, uh, I thought it was hamburgers. Well, I thought it was hamburgers. Tasty well, yeah, hamburgers. Yeah, both. both. But, right. but you walk in there, you see the grill with 25 hot dogs, 25 <laughs> patties, and soft serve ice cream. But it was so, the key thing was it was tiny little, you couldn't hide. Three people could eat there at once. That would exactly. be it. But that it was, was just it. so interesting and exotic. It's Places like that deserve to be, you know, federally funded historical places. This country is so, uh, you know, bad about letting things die out like that. It's just. But it was also open very late at night, too. Exactly. Yep. 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 My second comment was I think the whole uh, demise of the square, in, in addition to the actual demolishment of places and all that, it's the feeling you get when you walk around there. It used to be a certain feeling, and I just don't get it anymore. When you walk through the square, any you know what I mean, the side streets, walking to Central Square from Harvard. Do you, do you agree with that? Well, I think in a lot yeah. of ways, I will park on a side street, say the evening that I did my book signing at the Harvard Coop, and we would walk along the street, and it was brick sidewalks. They're not the most smooth, and I had to watch where I was going and things of that sort. But the shops didn't entice me. I mean, there weren't places that I wanted to stop in to see. There weren't uh, the places like Tasty Hamburger. Um, There wasn't even, in some ways, a bookstore that I said to myself, wow, this looks really great. Yeah, that bookstore, yeah. But there wasn't a sense of a streetscape that attracted me. And I think sometimes at one time, you you could go along not only... Massachusetts Avenue, but then you could go up Brattle Street and all these little, you know, interesting places that Interesting were, little nooks and crannies. But some were funky, some were classic, some were just basically providing a service. But you could go in there, and of course, there were magazines from all over the world. I used to think that was the only place I could ever get some of the things that I enjoyed reading. 
So, right, the two big uh, newspapers, magazine emporiums, are yes. right across from each other. Right? Exactly. What was the name of the? What were, what were what were the two names of the places? Wasn't it Harvard Square News? I think that's one of them. Yeah. One was right next to the T stop, maybe still there actually. That one, mm. but across the street there was the other one attached to the coop. Okay, I'm trying to think of the one. On the, uh, what's what's the name of the one right by the T still? Out of town. Out of town. Out of yeah. town. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's still there. Yeah. Right on. Hey, I've got to, I've got to run, Harry. Thanks a lot for that. I appreciate right. it. You no, know, you didn't get the vibe. Harry doesn't get the vibe anymore. And there's a simple reason for that. It's the commu- uh, that community killer called the chain store. Right. I agree. The chain, if- they should legislate. Towns should not allow chain stores well, have know, any more than one outlet in that town. I'll give you an example. We needed a new rotisserie for the deck in Osterville, and I kept saying, where else do you get it? Sears is closed in Hyannis. So we went around to the various places, and of course, how do you get it home? I don't have a pickup truck. They don't deliver. So we went to the local hardware store, Osterville Village Hardware, and the not only thing was reasonably priced, they assembled it for free, they delivered it for free, and they took away the old grill for free. Wow. So Osterville Village Hardware, this local hardware store, is somebody will I will always patronize rather Yay, than the chain always, store. Always patronize the non-chain. So when you look at Harvard Square, or you even look at the Back Bay, or you look at Dorchester, or Roxbury, or Hyde Park, these places, these local hardware stores, they're making a living, but they're not places that we should overlook in lieu of these enormous right. chain stores. So here's an article from July 17 this year from Cambridge Day, and it's a response to a proposed building. And it just kind of rattles off some of the places I think you'll all find interesting. Uh, and includes the food court alone will bring tears to your eyes for the f- former rev- residents. Elsie's, St. Clair's, The Tasty, The Window Shop, Underdog, Buddy's Sirloin Pit, Zoom Zoom, The Worst House with its picture of Henry Kissinger, and for Tipplers, Cronin's. Anybody remember Cronin's? I don't. I don't. And it's Pulchritudinous. That's wow. A, wow. They have a host hostess named Kitty who, it seems, is Pulchritudinous, we're going to have to look that one up. Also, uh, Tullas, Mandrakes, Miss Tootin's Bookstore. Does anybody remember? The Minuteman Record Shop? Paperback Booksmith. Wow. It makes me, I'm going to, I'm going to weep now. But it I, is I a, place, a place and a time. And uh, I think those were really the important thing. But how about the Plow and Stars? Yep. You know, that was a place that was not just... The most interesting Isn't that music. Still there? It's still there. Okay. I want to make sure I have time to say an appropriate uh, thank you and goodbye to Anthony Samarco. Thank you for thank having you. Me. Wow. Maybe we'll go to some place in Harvard Square. Sounds good to or me. Something sometime, and of course, if Jacob Worth reopens as a sports bar, oh my, we'll go and and do everything but look at sports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there'll be many many television. On the wall. Right. So, uh, looking forward to our next visit, and thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you for WBZ. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.